Yeah. So earlier, like how I shared, you know, I went to this real estate event and I didn't actually start and commit real estate until, you know, three, four months out. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because that same Asian guy that I met the first time I went to a real estate event, he actually gave me some really good advice on the second event that I went to because I approached him. I had no idea about real estate. All I said was, look, dude, I want to be a great entrepreneur. I want to build a very big business. I don't know what I got to do to make this happen, but I want to do it. Because this is the same advice that I was seeking from, you know, the dean, from the advisors in college. And they just couldn't give me the answer that I thought that I wanted. And this guy looked me straight in the eyes and he said, don't waste your time with real estate. I was like, what? I was like, you know, like I'm, I'm at a real estate event. I was like, what do you mean? Like, don't waste my time with real estate. He's like, you have to realize that this business and, and even life, it's all about the skill sets that you accumulate. And so he says one of the most foundational skill sets that's like better than any of the other skill sets is having the ability to communicate with people in a way that inspires them or even shares an idea with them so you know they're on board with it. And so he says, go get a sales job. That's all I can tell you. Go figure it out. So you just heard from Elijah Barber talking about his experiences in real estate, specifically one of his very first ones. And this is a common topic that comes up multiple times in this episode because when he first went out to this real estate event, the person that he went to go talk to told him, don't waste your time in real estate, go into sales so you can learn the number one skill as a human being, which is communication. So Elijah did this. He figured out his craft, and now he wholesales real estate, and he owns numerous properties in New York. So this week, we wholesale with Eli. Witty, in the way he approaches his problems, houses, is what he has built his real estate empire on. Optimal, always running as efficiently as possible. Limitless. He's worked so hard that there's no limit to his success. Eager. Always searching for more knowledge and wanting more. Sincere. Genuinely cares about what he does and the people he meets. Aware. Of his surroundings and himself. Luminous. Has an energy to light up a room. East Coast. The area in which he reigns supreme. So this week, we learn the wholesale with Eli. What's going on, everyone? Get Your Grind Up presents the Young and Dumb Podcast. It's your favorite co-host from the East Coast, Justin Gary, back at it again. And we have a very, very special friend of ours from Illinois, but currently residing in New Jersey. Eli, say what's up to the people. Get your grind up. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get it. Glad What's to have up, you people? on board. Super glad. I mean, it's been a little over a month since we last saw you, but you've yes. been busy. We've been busy. We got a lot to talk about. So let's introduce you to the Young and Dumb Way. Waste no more time. Get right into it. Let us know who you are and what's your story. Wonderful. My name is Elijah Barber. Um, I'm currently an active real estate investor in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Jersey City, New Jersey, and Newark, New Jersey. Now, I always haven't been investing, um, and I first heard about entrepreneurship when I was 18 years old. When I was 18, I was at college during my whole first year. Um, the only reason that I'm thankful that I went to college is because I've heard of entrepreneurship at college. If I never went to college, I would never even been aware of like, what it was to even build your own business. And so when I was at college my first year, 
I remember there was this like nerdy kid and he was walking around, he was promoting his club because he was the CEO or he was like the president of the entrepreneurship club. And so I was like, dude, like, like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, we got this club. I'm like, well, tell me about it. And he's like, you know, it's entrepreneurship and all this stuff. And I was like, what is that? Because back in Illinois, you know, I grew up in a town that had like a thousand people in it. No one ever talked about being a business owner, you know, taking your ideas and figuring out how to bring them to reality. And so this guy told me, you know, entrepreneurship, it was all like brand new to me. And so uh, I became very interested in it. I started attending the club and like they were just talking about, you know, starting businesses and all that stuff. And so my whole first year in college, I had like this whole book of like ideas. I wanted to do them. But my problem was I was scared. I feared I feared other people's opinions. You know, I feared uh, just really not even making it. And so I would literally spend Monday through Friday in the call in the dean's like office in the college of business. And like, I would talk to him about some of my ideas and he'd be like, Oh, you know, all these are great, but he's like, you can do that after you graduate. And I was like, that's not what I want to hear. I was like, I want to figure out how to do them now. And so, um, because of that, by the end of my first year, I said, I'm going to go and try and figure this stuff out. I ended up dropping out, still had no idea what I was going to do. Move or move back into Illinois. Cause I was going to college in Illinois, but moved back up with my grandparents and um, from there, um, I ended up packing up all my stuff and moving out to the East Coast, which, as we were talking earlier, do I rep New York City or New Jersey? I live in New Jersey, but I like to tell people I'm from New York City. And so uh, anyway, I moved out here to the East Coast. Um, once again, still had no idea what I was going to do. And that's when I started, you know, Googling online, looking up events, because one of the biggest things that I knew at the time was that your environment is what's going to help you become successful much quicker or even they're going to help you grow. And so I was looking to get into that type of environment of entrepreneurs, of business owners, of, you know, tech guys and all that stuff. And so we all know here, um, Gerard Adams, I went to a lot of his events and I also attended some real estate events and the real estate events, they were like $10, $20 events. And so at this time, I think I was 19, the first real estate event that I went to, my whole perspective of what successful people were, were three piece suits, really nice cars, you know, millions of people and all this stuff. And I show up to this real estate event. There's probably 10, 15 people in the room and there's this Asian guy. Okay. He's wearing flip flops, shorts, and a white t-shirt. And he was like, he was, he was like, I'm here guys. What questions do you have for me? I'm like, who is this guy? I was like, he looks broke. I was like, ain't no one (laughs) trying to ask you any questions, bro. (laughs) And the crazy part is he actually owned the building that we were in. And he owned the whole entire organization. And I didn't, I didn't know at that time. And so I ended up leaving his event because I was like, uh, this guy's not successful. Like, he doesn't even understand, like, what success is. And so I went to a few other events. You know, these were all $10, $20 events, so very affordable. Um, but I went to other events, and they kept telling me, like, yo, there's this one guy's event you need to go to. And it was that same guy's event that I walked away from. Mm-hmm. And so the next month came, and, you know, on Meetup, I registered. I went back to his event. And this time he was wearing the suit. He was on stage speaking. There was like 100 people in the room this time. And uh, he was structuring deals, right? Like real estate deals. And the way he was talking about structuring them, I was like, holy shit. Like this guy's doing this stuff with like none of his own money. Like he's literally creating money with none of his own money. And, you know, when you're 20, 19, 20 years old and you don't have any money to invest or any resources, but the beauty of that event was I got introduced to the idea of just like real estate is real. And now it's my job to figure out how to go full into this and figure it all out. And so that's kind of how my story got started with real estate. Um, I never made the full decision to commit to real estate until like three or four months after that. Once I made a decision to commit to real estate, it took me six months to buy my first investment property. 
And then from there, I bought like two more and then three more. And then today I just have a bunch of deals going on in Philadelphia, Newark, and Jersey City. Dude, that's, dope. that is dope. That is crazy that's story. Crazy. And I want to, I want to break it down specifically at the beginning. You mentioned something um, really interesting to me. And you said that you met with the dean of your college yep. uh, several times and you talked to him. The dean of the college of business at my school is seen, is looked at as like this, like God, where you can't touch him. No one gets time with him. So yep. how are you able to, or how were you able to get a meeting with the dean of your school? Yeah, I was there every day. I was literally there every day because, you know, at the time, you know, when you're freshman, sophomore years in college, you're not allowed to take business uh, classes. Well, you might have been able to, but my ACT scores weren't that high enough to like get into those classes yet. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I would literally be in his office every single day. Why? Because I knew that he had connections. I knew that, you know, he knew something about business. That was my perspective at that time. And so I was like, I got to do whatever I got to do to get in front of this guy because uh, he'll be a good connection to have. And so there's really two guys that I really connected with at college, which was the dean and uh, one of the advisors. And so like they would both would like invite me to hang out like after and like talk and stuff. Um, but, you know, in terms of what I wanted and what I desired at that time, they couldn't help me fulfill that. And so because of that, that's why I had to leave. And I feel like there's a, there's a blessing in the fact that you didn't find that what you were looking for, um, because that pushed you to go elsewhere and you know what, chase that dream. Um, and I wanna highlight something else that I guess a summary of what you said, um, that you used your resources. Like you knew what was available to you, you understood that, you knew what you wanted to do or had some idea of finding out what you wanted to do. And you used the resources that were available to you to achieve that goal. And that's something I wanna stress for those who um, decide to code the college path and don't wanna waste their four years. Um, we all go for different reasons, um, yes. but whether it's to get a degree, whether it's to find yourself, any of those reasons, use the resources around because I know plenty of people who start their four years and kind of walk through their four years, kind of going through the motions and then they graduate yeah, yeah. and the world hits them and they're like, shit, like, I don't know anyone. I don't really talk to them at my school, whether they're faculty or students. Um, I don't really have any skills that I was able to sharpen or um, hone in on. What am I going to do? Like, yeah, everyone listening out there, use those resources. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I want to shift um, a little bit to the next part of your, your story, um, the perception of the, this man that you met who owns a building. I think that's huge as well. Um, a, a lot of people see success as fancy, all these material yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. You want to you expand Dude, on that? Dude, I've met bit? some crazy people today, okay? I recently <laughs> had the opportunity to sit down with uh, a gentleman. He has 1,100 buildings that he owns, Okay. But he doesn't call them buildings. He's like, yeah. He's like, these are my banks. He's like, when I want money, he's like, he's like, they pay me. And, you know, when I don't want money, he's like, I just let them be there. And they make money on their own. He's like, so I have 1,100 banks that he's bought over the years. And um, the reason I met him is because, you know, he's, like, so bum looking. Like, he's, he dresses fit. He goes fishing every day because he's, like, retired and all that. And so, like, um, one of the biggest things I've learned from that whole experience is uh, – you kind of have to be open-minded to everything because the truth is, is you never know where the lesson is going to come from and who's going to deliver it. Because if you can just be open-minded and like even through our day-to-day -day lives, whether we're in class or actually running a business, dealing with employees and customers and, you know, overseeing projects, if we pay attention to the small details, we'll realize that everything within has a lesson to teach us. 
this question is, are we open-minded to receiving and do we allow for that lesson to come in? And so uh, that's what that whole experience taught me. And, you know, today, I don't care if you're a bum. I don't care if you're a three-piece suit. I really just want to have a conversation with you because it's based off the conversation. I can figure out what your beliefs, what your thoughts, what your motives are. And then I can figure out, you know, are you someone I want to work with? Are you someone I want to spend time with? Are you someone I want to invest in and vice versa? And so that was one of the most amazing experiences like I've ever had. I'm sure you guys have had, you know, some crazy experiences like that as well. No, most definitely. And I want like, how do you get that mindset? How do you create that mindset? Because I feel personally like the way that the school system works, you're kind of like pushed down this kind of one dimensional mind path. Like it's, you go to college, you have to go to college to be successful. You have to get a four year degree. If you're not doing that, if you don't have a 4.0, you're not going to succeed in life. But how are you able to kind of open up that mindset? Because I feel so many people lack that and it it hinders them a lot of the time. Hmm. That's a very good question. It's, uh, it's also a very challenging question. Um, in terms of, you know, how do you, how do you even develop an open mind, right? Um, I think there's a collection of answers that I could share. And, you know, one of the biggest ones for me was I've had so much input throughout my lives, you know, that I've come to realize that, you know, some stuff is good and some stuff is bad for me, not for the outside world, but for me, my personal beliefs. And so if I can hear something and it sounds good to me, then I'm going to accept that. You know, if I hear something that sounds bad to me, I'm not going to allow that to come in. I'm kind of big into like, uh, I love learning about the spirituality world. And so um, one of the books I love to read, is called The Law of Attraction. And it's by Abraham Hicks. And there's one of the laws that she talks about in the book. And the book is actually called, or uh, the section that she talks about is called The Law of Allowance. And so here's a crazy perspective, okay? I want you guys to actually think about this. I want you to imagine that you're walking in the street. All right. And for whatever reason, you know, you're here, you're walking and you look to your side and you see a homeless man. Okay. You see a homeless man as he's approaching towards you. Now, you know that you have money in your pocket. You also know that you're going to spend that money later on things that might be important to you. Okay. Now, the question is, when he comes and he approaches you and he's there, are you going to give him money or are you not going to give him money? I mean, I'll answer first. Yeah, um, go ahead. I say, I say no. I, I don't think I would give him money. Okay, why is that? Um, I think I won't give him money because a, I don't necessarily know the person, and I don't know what he's going to use it for. Yep. And I don't necessarily want to promote something that's bad for them, and that might be just because of all the things that have been pushed my way. Yeah. In terms of whether it's social media or the social experiment, experiments, whatever it may be. So here's um, the question. Wait, based yeah. off that, because that's very beautifully put. Mm-hmm. Based off that, who decides it's bad? Is it you or is it him that decides what the use for is bad? Whose decision? I agree. Is that? No, I get, I get where you're going with this. I get. <laughs> let's say let's say this person is a good guy, like quote unquote air quotes good guy, right? Yep. I give him my ten dollars. And he's able to turn it into a thousand dollars, whatever it may be, and help his family. No, he's homeless, bro. There's no way he's doing that. <laughs> no, I know, dude. Maybe he he's able to, <laughs> to work the wholesaling world in his hand. All right, come on, let's go. You know what I mean? You yep, know what I mean? Yep. So he's able to provide for his family, and he he does well. And that's that's good in my eyes, right? And that's yes. good in the general public's eyes. Yeah. But let's say this person is has fallen down the path and is addicted to drugs or whatever it may be, and he yep. spends that ten dollars 
on drugs or something like that. Yeah. In his eyes, it might be good because he's getting that short-term relief of whatever stress it may be or something like that. But to my eyes, it's not necessarily good because I don't necessarily believe in what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? So I get, I get where you're going with that. And it, it's an interesting perspective because it's all about where you kind of stand in the situation and who kind of creates all of these rights and wrongs. Well, the better question is, is why are we in that situation in the first place? Mm -hmm. Why do we allow for ourselves to be in this moment in the first place? And so back to the open mind question and all that, you know, to me, the law of allowance is uh, we're going to allow for people to be as they want to be. And we're going to, you know, help them with however they want to be. And at the same time, we have to allow ourselves to be as we want to be in this moment, because moments are subject to change, which means we have to enjoy this moment, be present and just allow for whatever to happen, knowing that we can change it, though. And so, you know, for being open minded and all that, it's like, you know, just be aware that you have the option to be open minded, to receive information, to take it and to output it. And so as long as you're open minded just to the idea of it, you'll eventually figure out your how on how to you know, perfect that. And so I'll flip the question to you. What are you doing in that situation? I always give. I always give every single okay. time. Even if I don't have money in my car, I figure out something because I don't like I don't care about money. Like I don't value money. I don't care about items, materials or none of that. What I care about is I care about I care about the act of giving because the more I give, believe it or not, the more I receive. And so in essence, if we take away the materials, we take away the money, we take away anything that has meaning and we just practice giving and receiving, there's a balance to it. You know what I mean? And so yeah. because of that, I will always give no matter what. If I don't have anything, I even got on my car today because like I went to the store and I bought three things of watermelon, like three for 12. They were super cheap. And, you know, I love watermelon. And uh, there was a homeless guy and I was like, bro, like, I don't have any money. I was like, you want some food? He's like, yeah, I cut up with one of the watermelons. And I gave it to him. And he's like, he's like, oh, my God, it's the best thing ever. And like, he's celebrating something small like watermelon. Mm -hmm. That's the best thing in his life. And so, you know, for me to even give that like, yo, I'm like, I'm good for the day. Like, I, I've done everything I need to do to make my life successful. I'm going to go home and do whatever I got to do, you know. <laughs> no, I get yeah, that. I'm always giving. I, I, I agree with that perspective too. Like there's many, there's many people that will look at that and say, Oh, if you gave him $10, he's just going to spend it and ruin his life even more. Yep. But in his eyes, it's something that's good. And I, I get that perspective. I don't necessarily agree with it, yep. but I do understand where you're coming from there. Absolutely. Um, so with that, like, I just want to dive deeper into that whole mindset thing. Cause when we first met, like I got the vibe, like dude, this guy has a, like a, weird mentality like he's different from other people in the way that he knows how to hold a conversation but he's also kind of open-minded to every single situation that's around and you're good friends with um our friend kyle the zen, zen wizard. wizard zen wizard hey shout out to the zen wizard and like i just want to know more about your mindset because i feel like that helps you a lot in what you do because in the field that you're in in real estate you face a lot of no's and i feel like that helps you get over that yeah yeah um you know the beauty about mindset is uh, everyone kind of has um, a different perspective over a thing, right? And so for an example, what do you think this is right here? Actually, no, that's a bad one. Let me do this one. What do you think this is right here? Do you want like my honest answer or do you yeah, want Yeah, yeah. Give me your honest answer. Give me your honest answer. I mean, straightforward, it's a pen. Okay. What about, uh, what about you, Justin? What do you think this is? It's a pen. Okay. So that's one perspective. Another perspective of it is... You know, this is something that I use to help me make a hundred thousand bucks because I got to sign a contract. You know, this is something that I can use to break a window when I'm in a car. This is something that I can use to like throw at someone when I'm mad at them. Right. 
So just based off that little conversation over what we all know is a pen, we just came up with four different perspectives over this pen, right? And so the beauty of mindset is that we're all allowed to have our own thoughts over how we see things. But here's the question. Are our thoughts giving us the results that we want? Because if they're not, we have to change up our thoughts and feelings to give us the results that we want. And so the only reason that like, you know, I'm open-minded right now is because I used to be closed-minded and that was in high school. And that's when I worked four jobs, busting my ass, 100-hour weeks, and I, and I only made like 20,000 bucks in four years. I was closed-minded because that's all I knew. And then, you know, I come out here to these coasts and I meet some crazy people like that are killing it in the real estate industry, but much more, they're killing it with life and what they were all open-minded. And I was like, let, let me try open mind. Let me try to be a little open-minded. And I did that. And my life just started changing because this is the thing. There, there are two ways to handle things with life. There's the easy way and there's the hard way. You're going to run into people all the time. They're going to be like, oh, this is so hard. This is hard. This is hard. And I too used to believe that. But the truth at the end of the day is if it's hard, it's because you're doing something wrong. Because there's two ways to live. There's the easy way and there's the hard way. And so if you're living right now and it's hard, you just need to change up your perspective, change up your thoughts, change up your beliefs and your feelings and figure out how to live the easy way. And that's what I had to tune into. And I tuned into that reality and I just, you know, I visualized it. I just, I took the idea and I had to figure out how to bring it to life. And that's what I did. And would you attribute some of your, um, I guess, your progression into your mindset um, towards coming to a larger city like New York or to the Northeast in general? I would say it's a collection of everything because the truth is, you know, for me to not go to college, I would, I would not be here today. You know, for me not to move out to New York, to the New York, New Jersey area, like there's no way I would have made some of the connections I would have made. I would never met you guys. You know, I would never have this opportunity to even share this stage. And so for me to say it's contributed to, you know, the move, absolutely but it's also contributed to everything that I've evolved from throughout my whole life process, which is made for who I am today. And it's only going to continue to make for who I will be tomorrow and the next day and the next day, which is always subject to evolving. Uh, yeah. I love, I love that answer. And that leads perfectly into what I want to talk about. And we kind of got sidetracked about mindset and everything. So back. No, that, to that's your the name. beauty, bro. That's the beauty dog. Come <laughs> that on, is, yo. That is the, no, that's the beauty of it. I love it. Um, but let, let's talk about real estate. How did okay. you get started in real estate? What did you start doing? Because no one goes from zero to investing in all of these different properties. You, there's a process to kind of get there. So let's yep. dive deep on that right now. Yeah. So earlier, like how I shared, you know, I went to this real estate event and I didn't actually start and commit real estate until, you know, three, four months out. <laughs> and the reason for that is because that same Asian guy that I met the first time I went to a real estate event, he actually gave me some really good advice on the second event that I went to. Because I approached him, I had no idea about real estate. All I said was, look, dude, I want to be a great entrepreneur. I want to build a very big business. I don't know what I got to do to make this happen, but I want to do it. Because this is the same advice that I was seeking from you know, the dean, from the advisors in college. And they just couldn't give me the answer that I thought that I wanted. And this guy looked me straight in the eyes and he said, don't waste your time with real estate. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, you know, like I'm, I'm at a real estate event. I was like, what do you mean like don't waste my time with real estate? He's like, you have to realize that this business and, and even life, it's all about the skill sets that you accumulate. And so he says one of the most foundational skill sets that's like better than any of the other skill sets 
is having the ability to communicate with people in a way that inspires them or even shares an idea with them so you know they're on board with it. And so he says, go get a sales job. That's all I can tell you. Go figure it out. And so I literally went home. You know, I started searching for sales jobs and all that stuff. And uh, I eventually came across a door-to-door sales, jo- door-to-door sales opportunity. And this would have been uh, winter of last year. And so, you know, I called the guy. I was, uh, I called him. I was like, look, dude, like, uh, I'll come work for you. Like, what do I got to do to work for you guys? Because <laughs> uh, I was there to learn sales. Mm-hmm. You know, I was getting really low on funds. I was actually really low on funds at this time. Uh, but I wasn't really worried about money because I knew a lot was coming to me. You know, I just, I just didn't have it yet. And so uh, I was like, look, dude, like, uh, I want to learn sales and all this stuff. And, like, I remember when we did the interview, he's like, he's like so how much money do you want to make this year? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, I just want to learn sales. It's like no one's ever told him, like, in the interview, because I, I was sitting with a salesperson. No one's ever told him that they just want to learn sales. Everyone's there to make money. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there to make money. I was there to learn sales. <laughs> and so um, I got a sales job my first month. I did absolutely no sales. I was doing door-to-door solar panels during the winter months which was a, a ride. It was amazing for me. Uh, but yeah, my, my whole first month, I didn't do a single sale. Um, and by my fourth month, which is the month that I left, I became the top 10% within my little branch. And so by that time, I ended up leaving. I went back to the real estate investor and I was like, uh, I was like look, dude, you see what I'm doing door-to-door sales? Um, I'm ready to learn real estate now. So like, uh, like you want to partner up? Like, how do you want to do this? And so um, that's kind of how I got introduced or um, took the first step into real estate. I learned sales first, and then I wanted to learn the actual investment side of real estate because I made enough money to like be good for like the remainder of the year and all that. And so, fast forward into real estate. Same question applies. What's the one skill that we can learn that sort of you know offsets the rest of the skills? Okay, because I love to learn things and I love to learn them really fast. But at the same time, skills take time to learn. You know, I just don't want to spend 10 years trying to learn something like I'm trying to learn in like six months to a year. And so the question was, what's the one thing that we can learn that's going to help you figure out the, the rest of the business? And what that first thing was, was actually wholesaling. And so wholesaling is basically just this art. You know, you find someone who wants to sell a property or you work with a real estate agent, you know, who has access to a lot of people who want to sell properties. You know, you call them up, the seller or the realtor. You're like, hey, I want to buy this property. And uh, here, let me actually tell you guys a story because the story is way better. <laughs> so I went, to a real, I went to the same guy's real estate event because he owns like the largest real estate club here in New Jersey, New York, and Philadelphia. Um, but I went to his club and I was networking people in the room. I was like, uh, look, like, because, uh, you know, people out here in New Jersey and New York, they have like, you know, two, three, four, five hundred thousand bucks just sitting in their bank account that they want to invest. And so I ran into one guy at the club and I was like, you know, what kind of properties are you looking for? And he told me what kind of properties he was looking for. And then I was like, uh, you know, where are you trying to buy? And he told me where. And I said, okay, how much rehab? You know, like, like what's the rehab that you want to do to a property? He's like, I'll do any rehab. I was like, okay, let's go then, you know? And then my final question to him was like, listen, man, um, if I can find a property that fits all the exact details that you just shared with me, would you be willing to, you know, either buy it from me or partner up and buy it or, you know, just do the deal with me? And he said, absolutely. Because every investor's biggest challenge is that next opportunity. They're always looking for that next great investment property. And so I just became the guy who got really good at cracking great investment deals. And so with the first deal, I ran into this investor. I asked him for all of his criteria. And then I went home that same night. And over the next week, I probably called 30 to 40 to 50 real estate agents. Because I didn't have any money to spend on marketing. And I didn't even know how to do marketing to even like get a result with it. And so I had to go where people were already doing marketing. 
which were real estate agents. And so I called like, you know, I called a lot of real estate agents and I told them, I was like, look, I'm looking for this kind of property with this kind of rehab in this area. I was like, you know, anyone who's got something like this? And, you know, of course, after you call enough people, you finally come across someone who has what you want. And I contacted one agent and he was like, yo, I got that. I was like, I was like, what's next? Cause like, I don't know what's next. I was like, I was like, how do I work with you? And you know, he told me, he's like, you know, well come out and see it. And so I went out to the property. I walked through it, you know, so I could walk through with him and see the condition. Keep in mind, I'm not a contractor. I thought it was a $45,000 rehab. I submitted my offer based off a $45,000 rehab and I went under contract and I was like, holy smokes. Things just got real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went under contract. I went back to the investor. I was like, yo, here's all the details. I was like, you ready? <laughs> he's like, he's like, okay, looks good. Let's go. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, great. And then, so, you know, by this time, and this is one of the next craziest things I've ever learned. We brought out a licensed contractor, right? Someone who actually is going to do the renovation. He walked through the property. He gave us all the numbers, you know, everything that needed to be replaced to pass all the inspections. And uh, the rehab went up to ninety-six thousand dollars. Wow! And Ooh. I est- and I I estimated forty-five. <laughs> and so there was like a fifty thousand dollar difference, yo. And so I was like, I was like, are my real estate dreams gone? I was like, I was like, what just happened? And, um, <laughs> but that same guy that I met at the real estate club, my first real estate club ever, I actually I showed it to him. I was like, look, dude, here's our challenge. I was like, I don't know what to do. He's like, perfect. This seems very easy. I was like, I was like, okay, I'm listening, yo. <laughs> and he was like, uh, you just have to renegotiate it $50,000, which means you have to talk to the seller. You have to talk to the realtor. You have to figure out how to get them on board, teaming up with you to give you a $50,000 reduction. And keep in mind, guys, this is my first deal ever. I was like, yo, like, no one ever even does this stuff. I was like, I got to do this on my first deal. Well, and, what, what uh, was the total amount of the original deal? So, like, you mean the total cost for the investment? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we, so let me finish the story and then I'll come right okay. back to that. Okay. And so, you know, there's a $50,000 reduction that we needed. And so, you know, we went to the realtor, we went to the sellers, we told them, you know, what's going on and here's why we need it. You know, cause like, we're not doing it to rip anyone off. It's just like, this is like, this is real stuff. And so, um, needless to say, after like five months, the sellers finally agreed to give us like $45,000 off. And so on my first deal ever, I got tuned into the reality of renegotiations so if something's not as you like it, and this applies for anything, man, life, marriage, uh, maybe not marriage because you're kind of binded forever. Uh, but like, <laughs> you know, this applies to anything. If you don't like the terms in something, just renegotiate them to, to help you out. And so, um, you know, five months after that, we ended up dropping the price 45,000 bucks. We ended up purchasing the property for 105, putting in the $96,000 rehab. And, you know, with fees and all that stuff and all that extra stuff, it came out to be like a $220,000 like, total investment around there from the first property. So that 50000 was wow. like 33% of the initial investment, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. About. Wow. So you got it. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was nuts because uh, there are some investors that I know today that are very active. You know, they buy all the time and stuff. And um, they don't even know how to negotiate as good as I do. And I haven't done nowhere near as many deals as they have. Or even been in the, I've only been in business a year and a half. You know, I haven't even been in nowhere near as long as they have. But like I said, you know, like at the beginning of this conversation, it's all about the open mind and, you know, looking at the opportunity and figuring out like what's the best way to approach this. You know, how can we easily do this? And so, uh, you know, I tell some of the investors today how I renegotiate. And they're like, holy smokes, like that's good. You know, 
And like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting just, just the small successes that have happened along the way. Especially the persistence. I mean, to, to, to wear, wear them down for five months to get 45K off, like, that, that takes some yo, work. That's that people's takes... biggest problem. Why? Because you're exactly because what you just said, you're like, holy shit, yo, that took five months. It actually yeah. took like five and a half months. But the thing is, is that people won't give it that much time. Right. People are like, no, I want it right now. Let me get it right now. Here's the beauty. The sellers would respond. We wouldn't respond for like a week, two, three weeks. Why? Because this whole business is about motivation. And so in essence, they respond to us and we haven't responded now in their mind, they're getting very nervous. They're like, like, are these guys like going to bail out? And then they'll follow up with us again and be like, you know, what are you guys going to do? And then we'll be like, uh, that's not enough. How much better can you do? And, you know, they would drop it again. And like, once again, we want to respond for another two, three weeks, a month. We make them respond a few times, you know, because it's like uh, there's a process for things. And like, this is just, this is kind of one-on-one communication skills. Like, you know, if they're still following up with us, what's that tell you? They want to sell this house. <laughs> They want to sell this house to us, actually, because yep. <laughs> otherwise they could have dropped it and sold it to someone else. But um, yeah, man. So that's the reason it took so long. It's like we were we were very slow with our response on purpose, though. So that was a partnership between you and the investor, correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. And so what I did on that first deal was I ended up wholesaling it, right? I ended up wholesaling it, which was mean you know I went under contract. And then I assign my rights of the contract to the end investor. And I get paid a fee to leave like all my interests of the contract. And so in essence, like, uh, like in high school, you know, I worked four jobs and uh, I saved up 20,000 bucks and I bought a car. It's the same car I drive today. Um, and literally in a matter of six months, I made 15,000 bucks off my first deal, which was crazy to me. Because like I said, like all this has just been like, like uh, reality shifts. It's all been a reality shift, you know, because like before what I think, I think you had to work hard, had to work a long time, lots of hours and all this stuff. Guys, my first deal, it really didn't take very much time. What? I called the realtor. I drove out. I saw the property. And then like we just like communicated via email. Like, and we responded like, you know, like it took like 10 minutes to respond. And so my total time invested was like, you know, two hours, two and a half hours at the most to make 15000 which is crazy when I come from reality of working 100 hours to make like a four or $500, $500 paycheck. And so it's crazy. real estate. It's all been like a huge mind shift for me. And I love it because of that. Definitely. And I feel like people who hear those numbers, right? They get really excited. Like it's kind of like a game. Yeah, yeah, don't even worry about the numbers. Exactly. The numbers, exactly. Are, the numbers, are, uh, numbers don't mean anything. It's more a matter of the process. As long as you understand the process, you can actually do way better numbers. And you can even do uh, worse numbers too. You know, it just depends on how well you know your process. Most definitely. And like, I, I want to dive deeper into that because I feel like people who are listening, they hear those numbers and they hear the word wholesaling and they'll look it up. And when you look it up, because I've looked it up over, over the past week or so, yeah. and it's a whole bunch of, I can make you rich quick or the, how I made $115,000 in mm-hmm. in a week or whatever. Yeah. Right. So can you talk to people about more things that these gurus aren't necessarily telling them at face value? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is kind of the biggest thing that the and keep in mind, guys. Uh, you know that same first investor that I ever spoke with in this whole entire business. You know, I partnered up with him today, and I actually help him run all of his event organizations, which is why it's allowed for me to speak publicly on or you know to speak on stage and all this stuff. Um, and so I'm actually in the event space, and I'm aware of everything that's going on. 
And so um, I will tell you this, and I don't know if you're ready to hear it, but all those programs and stuff, they all work. Okay. Interesting. Every, every single one of them works. But the part that they're missing is some of the strategies only work in certain towns. For an example, uh, Gary, you give it to me because you're in Philadelphia. What's the most desirable area in Philadelphia that you can think of off the top of your head? Oh, like, I'm, talking, I'm head. talking wealthy. I'm talking wealthy, like nice houses, wealthy people live there, oh, all that stuff. I'd say out in Westchester. Westchester. Okay, Westchester. We'll take that area. Let me ask you, you guys ever seen those little yellow signs that have the sloppy handwriting on them? We buy houses, yeah. call now, right? Do you think people who make really good money, like create, you think they're going to be calling those signs? <laughs> no, no. They're like, that's, that's a always, scam. That's what I've always you know? thought. Because I'll see those yeah. signs. I'm like, who is calling these? Right? I'm not. No, no, no. Trust me. People do call them. People do call them. But wealthy people do not. Why? Here's exactly why. Wealthy people are not motivated for money. They're not in a situation where they need to get out instantly. They can take their time because they have money. They're much more relaxed. So what are they doing? They're calling realtors. They're going to give it with the realtor and let the realtor list it, right? But now let's think about this. If we go to an area where people constantly having foreclosures, you know, uh, people are getting shot at weekly. West Philly is a great area like this because uh, mm -hmm. we invest in West Philly. You know, if, if it's a high crime area, very low income, right, those bandit signs do work. And the reason is because the people who are calling in those areas, they want to get out of their situation. They don't want to pay a realtor fee. They don't want to pay all these additional fees. They just want to, they just want someone to help them sell it now. And so back to the question, all those programs work. But the most important thing is you have to, if you, if you, like, if you actually want to do this business, you have to identify a town and identify a section and ask yourself, you know, what kind of people are in this town? What's going to be the best way to like get in touch with these people, you know, to get them to even want to sell with me. And so that's just kind of one example. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> no, yeah, no, definitely. Cause me and Michelle, we went to uh, the national achievers conference or something like that okay. last week that Gary, yeah. Gary V actually sent us to it. Yeah, no, I saw that, yo, because yeah. the was crazy. But yeah, so we went to that conference and they were selling, someone was selling uh, a real estate program. Yep. And I think it was $99,000 or something like that. They're, How they're much was it? Do you remember? I think it was nine thousand dollars or something. Yeah, yeah. it's probably nine thousand. I don't know anyone who would ever like sell a program for ninety nine. Like no, maybe um, it was probably, nine thousand. Yeah, it's probably nine thousand. Something like that. And I was I was thinking to myself like, how does this work? Is it actually like a legit thing? And it's, yeah. And but I guess like you said, some of it does work. It just depends if you're in the right area for it, and that makes sense. Yep. Because obviously, it's working for someone, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, cause like, you know, these guys, when they, when they make like some of these guys don't even like, they're not even aware to teach that, that like one of the biggest things that I've kind of come to learn is like, you know, there's a reason I only invest in three towns, but I promise you, I know these three towns, like the back of my hand, because I'm aware of all the patterns that go on with it in this town. I'm aware of the kind of people that live in this town, you know, and like there's different patterns to everything. And so, uh, it really just comes down to your ability to understand your market. And so just, I'll give it to you guys. Like, it's very simple. Like there's kind of a few things that make up, you know, a town, 
one of the most basic ones is income. People who have a lot more money, what? They're going to want more desirable things, nicer stuff and all that, right? Nicer houses, better finishes, etc. People who have no money, they're probably going to be renting houses, you know, a lot of government-assisted tenants, even government-assisted sales, you know? Um, another huge factor is owner occupancy. Why? Income is extremely low and owner occupancy is really low. What's that tell you? That's probably a cash flow's dream, a cash flow investor's dream because income's low, owner occupancy low, a lot of renters, and that means you can do government assisting tenants, which means your payments are coming every single month. You're never gonna have a missed payment because the government is paying you <laughs> for that tenant. Uh-huh. And so, uh, you know, West Philly, uh, Gary and I both, West Philly is one of those areas. Low income, low owner occupancy, great for cash flow right now. You know, uh, Newark, New Jersey, one of the towns I invest in, it used to be low income, low owner occupancy. Okay. But now it's starting to change. It's starting to change really, like really, really nice. It's starting to go up in terms of the income as well as the owner occupancy. And so, you know, people who bought in those areas five, 10 years ago, they're making a killing off the equity in these properties right now. Like they're like their net worth is like exploding. And, you know, and so if they want to pull out money from these properties, they can and buy more. But yeah, those are just like two of the factors that we look at. There's a few more, but I don't want to like bombard you guys. (laughs) No, definitely. Like, and that's, that's a lot to take in. I mean, I hope everyone out there is listening and like writing, taking notes. Yeah, it makes sense though, right? It's like income and owner occupancy. It does. As long as you know those, like those will give you a general idea. And then you just kind of have to ask yourself like, what's next? That's yeah, as long as you understand that relationship, uh, a lot of things can happen. That's yep. dope. But I want to take this opportunity to shift focus back onto you, and we have a very important question to ask you. Um, we want to take your journey, so back from those high school days, working those four jobs, um, grinding all the way to where you are now. We want to take that journey and turn it into a loading bar. Yeah. So from zero to a hundred percent, where you feel like you are right now on your loading bar. I'm on one, baby. One percent. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Follow up question. What does a hundred percent look like? I mean, I think a hundred percent does look like one percent. And just to elaborate on that, you know, for me, I'm not here chasing anything and I'm not after anything. Any result that I want in the world, I figure out how to get it right now. And so uh, in a way, it's called instant manifestation. And so the real question is, what are we really after? You know, where, where, like, for example, I'm sure we're all us three on this call and the people who are listening right now. Um, I'm sure a lot of them are after money, right? Nothing wrong with it. I love it. I love money. It's a great tool. You know, I use it all the time for investments, for personal things, etc. But, but the real, the essence of it, what is money really going to give us, right? Are we going to use it for good? Are we going to use it for bad? Because the whole idea of it, and Oprah Winfrey says it best, is like, um, if we're aware of our feelings, right, and we know how to control and create our feelings. So, for example, we want to make a lot of money for this to buy a car or a house, which is going to give us a good feeling. And so what I mean by instant manifestation is I know how to generate that feeling right now, you know. And so on a scale of 100, doing millions and millions of real estate every single day, uh, yeah, all that stuff, you know. But the feeling is just a good feeling. And so I generate the feeling right now. I feel good and it allows for me to produce much faster because I have a good feeling. Does that make sense? I get that. Yeah. Oh. Well, I like it. And I feel like you're one who, who loves that journey. That's yep. why you're staying at that 1% because you love 
waking up, you love getting on the phone, you love making these real estate deals, whatever it may be that's on the table for that day, like you genuinely love what you do. Yes. Bro, I, I watch your Instagram stories. Like I, I watch it all. Like I, I keep up with your stuff. I can tell that's genuine. Like that's yeah. real shit. Like you truly enjoy what you do. You're good at what you do. And that's why there's that sense of happiness, that fulfillment um, that I guess all of us are really chasing after. Yeah, I appreciate that. Definitely, definitely. So with that, we get to move into our favorite part. All the right. Ooh, the ooh, deep ooh. Question. Let's get it. Ooh. All right. So Eli, are you ready for question number one? Let's go, baby. All right. Question number one. Let's imagine 100 years from now, because we're going to live till we're 120 something years old, right? All right. Uh, you've accomplished everything in, in the world that you've ever wanted to. You're the number one real estate mogul in the US or no, in the world. You're number one richest person in the world, whatever it may be. And you're told that today's your last day on earth and everything that you've ever accomplished is going to disappear. And you get to pick three things that you want to be remembered for. What are those three things? Three things that you want to be remembered for. Yeah. It doesn't have to be physical. It can be a saying. It can be yeah, something, yeah. whatever. I mean, um, I think the biggest thing, like uh, I couldn't give you three. I'm just gonna let you know that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think the biggest thing that I would kind of like to share with everyone, and it's kind of one of the most important things, is that, uh, you know, life and everything that happens within life, it's all a choice. And it's a choice that we must make every single day. And so in terms of the results that we get, in terms of the decisions that we have, in terms of the people that we hang out with, at the end of the day, we are the ones to make that final choice to allow it and to not allow it. And so in essence, you know, if I were to be remembered as anything, it's just for that nice little expression that we have the choice on how we want to live, who we want to live with, and, you know, we create our own reality. Oh, wow. That's, that's powerful. And it really puts things into perspective, like the fact that we actually can choose um, reality, like the the thought of choice, like everything that we do, we choose to do. Like we yes. say, Oh, like I have to do this. or I have to No, I mean, that's your choice. You have that choice to do it or <laughs> yeah. to not do it. And there are either benefits or consequences that are associated with that. But yep. at the end of the day, the choice is truly yours. And just, I feel like understanding um, how much power we really do have in our own lives is it's, it's shifting. It's life shifting. And that's dope. Absolutely. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. So we're going to hit you with question number two. On this last day as well. Um, Maybe. Yeah, this is the last, a lot of last, <laughs> this last day, man. Come on, y'all. Aside from the, the one thing that you left behind, there's you look on your shelf. Um, you actually, you go to one of your, your um, the houses that you own. You look on the shelf, and there happens to be a book. That book is your autobiography of your yeah. entire life from day one to day or year 220, whatever yeah. you open up the first chapter of that book and it's your entire life up to this very second. What is that chapter called? Yo, that chapter is called the alchemist. Yo, <laughs> listen, if y'all ain't read the alchemist, Oh my God, y'all have to pick it up. And like the alchemist is a long book, but that whole book is like my life because alchemy is this essence of taking nothing I love and turning it and turning it into something. Right. And so uh, Will Smith, I remember he introduced the book to me. But here's the biggest thing is that when we were younger, there was nonfiction, which is like uh, real, 
Those are real books, right? And then there was fiction, which is uh, not real. But to give you the truth, I look at fiction and nonfiction as though everything is real. Because for the fiction books, because uh, The Alchemist is a fiction book in essence. But if you read it, you'll understand that there are so many you know, ideas and theories that we can use in our life. And one of the things that they say in The Alchemist is, uh, I know we're kind of talking about a book, but this book, like, it, it, it's my life. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you guys have read The Alchemist, right? I have not. Yo, I've heard you? of it, but I Bro, I'm going to order it for you, dog. Send me your address. I'm going <laughs> to send it to you tonight. Yo, I promise you, I'll get it from Amazon right now. Okay? Amazon one day shipping is going to show yeah, up on Monday. I'll have it for you tomorrow, dog. But like listen, the, like, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, no, the closest thing I've done got to alchemy, I played um, the little alchemist game. Um, I think it's on iTunes and it's dope. But I don't even, yeah. I, don't, I didn't even know that was real. Oh, it's um, dope. It's, it's real dope. You're gonna get. I have to look into it. Yeah, I'm like I'm gonna have to look into that. But like, uh, you know, in the Alchemist, they talk about one way to cure everything, like anything that's going, anything that's struggle for you in your life right now. The only way, and I don't know if I believe this fully, but I like the idea. The only way to cure everything is to actually take action on it. And so it's like whatever's holding us back. You know, whoever is holding us back, we must take action on that specific thing to progress it forward. And so that's one idea that was shared in this fiction book that's not supposed to be real. Yo, that that idea alone is like so real, you know. And so uh, the first chapter would definitely be alchemy um, because I believe in it. I've lived it and I believe I am the alchemist. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I like it. I definitely like it. <laughs> for question number three, um, let's imagine you get to choose three people that you want to work with, whether it's a real estate deal, whether it's selling them a real estate house, whatever it may be. Who are those three people that you want to work with? Like, uh, like, like name, like yeah, yeah. real people. Yeah, real people. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be a fictional character too. I guess, like, if you want to build the yeah, Hogwarts yeah. hotel for Harry Potter. Oh, dude, actually, no, like, dude, <laughs> dude, that's actually it, yo. <laughs> that's actually it, bro. That would be I love Harry. Dude, I love Harry fun. Potter. And so uh, I guess like I don't really have three people, but like three ideas that I will definitely be embarking on, you know, throughout my years of life. Um, I definitely love the ideas behind Harry Potter and the fiction world and creating movies. And so um, someone within that industry. Um, another thing that I'm deeply, I deeply love is art. And, you know, for people to express, like take, uh, I remember one of my mentors, he has like a five-year-old kid and his kid used to be scared to draw. Right. He used to fear drawing because kids at his school, like, you know, be like, oh, my God, you can't draw. And so he would come home and his dad would be like, look, here's the paper, draw on it. And his dad would be aware that he wouldn't draw. And so his dad, which is my mentor, he'd look at him and be like, I got to figure out how to, you know, incorporate this idea of drawing back into this guy's life. And so um, basically the message was, is that art in reality is someone's imagination coming alive onto the paper and we get to see their imagination. And so uh, I would love to embark down the art industry as well. Um, I think that's a fabulous industry. And the last one would be, uh, I don't know. I have no idea what the last one would be, but those would definitely be two people, I, can, I guess. <laughs> I can get behind those. I can, can get behind those. All right. <laughs> So this is, uh, this is that shameless plug I was talking about earlier. For us, young and dumb is being young, which is a relative term, um, dedicated, up and coming, motivated, and bold. 
That's what Gangnam means to us. But yep. what does it mean to you? I think it's someone who's not afraid to make mistakes. Because the whole theory behind young and dumb is what? In essence, we're allowed to make mistakes because at the same time, we can also fix all the mistakes that we've ever made in life. And so uh, that's what I would take away from the interaction that I've had with you lovely people, as well as your ideas and beliefs behind what you've created. Definitely. That's awesome, man. Because it's like people, I feel like people want it to be such a positive term, but the way they say it, they say in such a negative connotation yeah. that young and dumb has this negative connotation towards it. But I feel like the, the best way for the younger generations to kind of thrive is to get over that kind of fear of failure and being young and dumb in, in the essence of being able to try whatever you want to be. Yeah, dude. Whenever we're all like 60, we're still going to be young and dumb, bro. <laughs> exactly. No, definitely, definitely. But I don't know. I feel like we need to change. Like we'll have like a second version of this podcast, like old and wise or something. Like <laughs> or a no, little We got to forever stay young and dumb. Forever young and dumb, yo. Come on. Forever young and dumb. Definitely. All right. So before we ask our last question, um, where can people follow you on either Instagram, wherever you want to be found? Yeah. Uh, so right now, like I love Instagram. I think it's such a fun platform just to connect with people, just like I've connected with all of you guys. Mm -hmm. um, so I would definitely love to connect with you guys on Instagram at Elijah Barber one. Uh, that's Eli and then Barber like a barbershop. No, I don't cut hair. Yes, my hair is blonde, but I did not do this. Uh, Eli Barber one and Facebook as well at Elijah Barber. Uh, I'd love to connect with you guys on there. Awesome. Dope. So if you guys want any advice on real estate or even just having a dope conversation with him, hit him up in DMs. He's always answering. So final question. Oh, drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get like a sound. You need a sound bar. Like, yeah, you need to get that sound bar, yo. You need a sound bar. What is a question that you wish that we asked you? Dang, yo, this is a good question. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like yeah um, yeah got him the funniest I know, you know, I, asked uh, I think yeah i think you guys are uh very good at this and of course you guys have progressed a lot from the first one because i went and actually listened to your first one oh. and then i listened and then i listened <laughs> and then i listened to your one with ant because uh you know i like ant and uh yeah. and of course i listened to zen wizard one as well and it's been nice to see the progression that you guys have made from podcast to podcast and your level of questions and your style of asking the questions and so, um, I mean, in all honesty, I think you guys are a great host and I've had a Thank lot of fun you. today. Thank you. And I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I really enjoyed myself. Um, this is, again, one of our longer episodes, but 100% worth it. You know what I mean? Um, we had great conversation, which is something that we won't pass up at any time. Um, I learned a lot. I'm sure Justin can say the same. Um, and I feel like the, the listeners got a lot out of this. Um, and, you know, we got to reconnect. So yes. definitely a great ass night. Absolutely. Um, but I want to take this moment to extend a, a huge, huge thank you um, from the Get Your Grind of Young and Dumb community for coming on the podcast, yeah, dropping yeah. some knowledge, um, and, you know, having some fun with us, bro. I appreciate it. Vibes are always nice with y'all. Let's go. Yes, yes. And for all of you listening out there, if you want to learn a little bit more about Eli, who is wise well beyond his years, Find him on our page, getyourgrindup.com, or on social, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at getyourgrindup. We will be back next week with another incredible episode of the Young and Dumb Podcast. It's your favorite co-host from the East Coast. We'll see you guys very soon. Never forget, we are all young and dumb. And always remember, get 
Macho Grinder. Yeah, I will see you guys soon. Peace. Peace.